right, you may be seated. So Exodus chapter 40, verses 17 to 38. So here we are, um, the last chapter of Exodus and the, and the final night of this, this study. I guess it's 66 times we've been in, in Exodus since we started. So it's also the final night on the tabernacle, as we've talked about for a long time now, that 13 out of the last 16 chapters of Exodus are about the tabernacle. And, tabernacle. and so we're going to celebrate that with one last trip through the tabernacle. Um, uh, Exodus 25 to 40 We've already, in those, in those chapters, we've already gone through the tabernacle five times, actually. So, twice in detail, and three times more abbreviated. So, here they are. And the ones in yellow are the longer sections. The first one is where the Lord commands uh, Moses to build the tabernacle. It's, it's seven chapters long. The third one is when the people actually make the tabernacle, um, but... Uh, there are other times that we have been through in an abbreviated sense uh, the tabernacle. Two of those were last week um, when they brought the tabernacle to Moses and when the Lord then commanded Moses how to set it up. And so that leaves one. Right? That leaves the one from this week, which is Moses sets up the tabernacle, or as the ESV puts it, erects the the tabernacle. So, so the very first time that we talked about the tabernacle, um, in, in Exodus 25, we read um, these verses. These are in the instructions to Moses from the Lord to build the tabernacle. And let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell in their midst. So that's, that's an important line to notice, that I may dwell in their midst. Um, as you remember, a couple of times, maybe three times, I've mentioned this guy named Sarna, who has, who has said that the tabernacle is about two things. One is the, it's a symbol of the continued presence of the Lord with, the, with his people that I may dwell in their midst. And the second was for, the second reason for the tabernacle is for the organized practice of religion. So this fits verse 9. Exactly as I show you concerning the pattern, or the pattern of the tabernacle and all of its furniture, so you shall make it. So that's the ESV's Translation. So a couple of weeks ago we talked about, uh, we, we started off with this verse. And this is when it has to do with making of the clothes for Aaron and his sons. From the blue and purple and scarlet yarns they made finely woven garments for ministering in the holy place. They made the holy garments for Aaron. Uh, and as the New American Standard puts it, and it, I believe it's the best translation, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. So these two chapters, 39 and 40, uh, we talked about this also, that, that 
in these two chapters, 39 and 40, that phrase occurs exactly 14 times. And that exact phrase uh, occurs exactly 14 times. So that's where we were last week, that's where we were the week before, and that's where we'll be tonight. And so this exact phrase, tonight, will be used seven times. It was seven times in a row at the beginning, and then it was four times with a similar phrase, and then these seven tonight. Just as the Lord had commanded Moses, the tabernacle is about worship, and it's about the Lord dwelling with his people. So the details matter. So this, this morning, um, it's summer, so not everybody goes to Sunday school. But, but in the Deuteronomy class, Pastor Terry, you should go if, you're not, if you weren't there. But you should go. Um, it's, it's really good. In the, it was in the last section of Exodus chapter 12, or excuse me, Deuteronomy chapter 12. Um, it's the first verse in chapter 13 in Hebrew, but, but at the end of chapter 12 um, in our English versions that we use, at the end of the section about where and how to worship, it says this, Everything that I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to it or take from it. Uh, and then there's, a, then there's a break in um, the Hebrew text after that verse. Even though it's at the beginning of the, the next chapter in Hebrew, um, there is a break there. Everything that I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to it or take from it. So last week, we didn't just have, uh, just as the Lord commanded Moses, uh, we had instead those four similar phrases. Um, one of them was this. This is where we ended up last time. And this Moses did, according to all the Lord commanded him, so he did. Conveying the same message. He's doing exactly the same thing, just saying it a different way. So that's where we ended up. Uh, and tonight we're starting in the next verse after this. So that what, what Moses did there um, was, was receive the instructions from the Lord about how he's going to set up the tabernacle. And so this is just a kind of a summary statement to start out saying, and he did that. Moses did that. So Moses sets up the tabernacle. We'll go through the tabernacle for the sixth time. Again, it's a real brief summary, um, but it is the sixth time through. So the, the ESV breaks this chapter, chapter 40, into two parts. The, all the way up to verse uh, 33, it calls uh, erecting the tabernacle, um, which includes then the instructions for that, um, or the tabernacle is erected. Um, and then it, it, the second part is called the glory of the Lord, um, which is just verses 34 to 38. So we'll break it in the same place as the, as the ESV did. Um, I like to say it sets up rather than erected the tabernacle. So Moses sets up the tabernacle, and then we'll use part of 
what the ESV, we'll use all of what the ESV called the second one, but we'll add to it. The glory of the Lord with his people um, for those last um, five verses. So the verse, first, up through 32, we're going to move pretty quickly because we're going through the tabernacle again. We're going to spend most of our time then on verses 33, 34, and 35. Um, and so here we are. Moses sets up the tabernacle. So uh, Exodus 40, verse 17. In the first month of the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Just a few quick comments. We touched base on this um, last time. But uh, this is two weeks short of the anniversary of the Exodus, of the first anniversary of the Exodus. So just about a year since the, the people came out of, out of Egypt. And it's two weeks then before the first celebration, the first festival of the Passover. Uh, so the tabernacle is ready for that. They are still at Mount Sinai, where they have been now for nine months. So this is an introductory verse um, saying, okay, so this is when it happened. Um, and then it starts off. Now we'll get into going through the tabernacle. And Moses erected the tabernacle. So the Lord had commanded Moses to set it up. And Moses is the one that's in charge of setting it up. So he begins by setting it up in the same order that the Lord told him to set it up, which means that he begins with the tabernacle itself. Moses erected the tabernacle. He laid its bases. He set up its frames. If you remember, the tabernacle was a tent. But it's a sturdy tent, has to endure um, all kinds of weather. It's meant to, it's, you don't take it down and put it in your basement. Um, he laid its bases, he set up its frames, he put in its poles, or probably better bars, I think they're cross members, um, to hold things together, and raised up its pillars. And he spread the tent over the tabernacle. Remember that the tent is four layers. Two layers hang straight down. And then the other two layers probably don't hang straight down. They're called the covering. So he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent over it as the Lord had commanded. Or, as the New American Standard said, which is a better translation, just as the Lord had Commanded. So we're going to run into this now, as I mentioned, seven times in a row. Most of the time, just two verses in a, uh, apart. So, and they will cover, that, that little phrase is going to cover every part of the tabernacle. So, so when it was completed, remember that the tabernacle looks something like this. So here's what it said here. He laid its bases. You can kind of see at the bottom of the posts there. He set up its frames so that it had vertical members. Put up its bars or poles, which were probably cross members. Looks like they're cross members by the description earlier. He raised up its pillars. That would be what you would see in the front. He spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent over it. 
The outside then is the durable covering of leather, two kinds of leather, just as the Lord commanded. And so, so far with this description, setting it up, we have this uh, in the layout. We have the tabernacle, three sides of it set up. It's 10 cubits wide. It's 30 cubits long. The Holy of Holies is 10 cubits by 10 cubits, and it's not divided yet. It just has three walls, three sets of fabric walls. So the north is at the top, the south is at the bottom, uh, the west is on the left, and the right is, on, is the east, and the east is open. Okay? So then Moses began with putting things into the tabernacle as the Lord has commanded, starting with the most important thing in the most important place. And he took the testimony. So that probably refers to the document of the Ten Commandments or maybe more. Uh, but probably the document of the Ten Commandments, the stone tablets of the, of the Ten Commandments, and put them in the ark. And he put the poles on the ark, and he set the mercy seat or the atonement cover, that's the cover with the, with the cherubim on it, above the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle, and he set up the veil of the screen, and he screened the Ark of the Testimony. So um, that's what he did. He did this. Um, there there's, was the layout. He put the Ark there. It's roughly to scale here. Um, and then he, the veil he puts here, separating the Holy of Holies from the rest of the tabernacle. So that's what that section was about. So next what Moses does according to the Lord's instructions, is he puts the things inside the holy place, inside the rest of the tabernacle that's not part of the Holy of Holies. And he put the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle, outside the veil. And he arranged the bread on it before the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded. So the table, remember, is the, the place where the bread is put in, in rows, uh, two rows of six uh, for the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, it's changed out every um, Sabbath. And so this is what we had. Here's where the table goes on the north side. It did have dimensions on it, so we know what size it was. Um, and next, um, we will go to the next thing to go in there. And he put the lampstand, so that's the menorah, in the tent of meeting, opposite the table, so across from the table, on the south side of the tabernacle, and set up the lamps before the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. So again, here's the layout. So if we drop in the, the lampstand, it's there. Okay, so there's one more thing to go in the tabernacle. Um, Maybe if you don't remember what it was, you remember. maybe you'll remember where it was. So verse 26. And he put the golden altar, that's the altar of incense, in the tent of meeting before the veil, so in front of the veil, and burned fragrant incense on it, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. So it goes just outside the veil. You can see the purple veil there. It goes right there. 
Uh, and so then there is just um, one more thing that goes or is part of or goes into the tabernacle. In the next verse, and he put in place the screen for the door of the tabernacle. The screen for the tabernacle, it's, it's not the same as the veil. It's similar in construction, but it's not made of the same material. Uh, the veil inside is, has gold woven into it. The one on the outside does not. So, and it's, and it's in front of, it's front of the, it's on the east side. So this is what closes in the tabernacle. So there it is. It's red here on this, on this chart or on this, this diagram. So the tabernacle is now complete. So let's move outside the screen and outside the tabernacle uh, for what Moses does next. And he set the altar of burnt offering at the entrance of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. And he offered on it burnt offering and the grain offering, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. So we're, we're changing the scale now of our diagram. Uh, the tabernacle is still there, but now we're including what will be enclosed as the courtyard. It's not yet enclosed. And so... What we're doing now is just adding the altar. So and look how big that is. Uh, that is rather to scale. Um, and it is half as wide as the whole tabernacle itself. I mean, the, the altar is big and imposing. Again, it's the biggest thing there. Uh, it's the biggest piece of furnishings there is. And it, and it is right front and center when you come in. And nobody can miss what it's for. It's for sin offerings. It's for other kinds of offerings. But it's a constant reminder of our sin. So also in the courtyard, he set the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing, with which Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and feet. When they went into the tent of meeting, and when they approached the altar, they washed, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. So that's the seventh time in a row that we've read that, and the last time that we'll see it. And so let's put the basin in there. It goes between the altar and the entrance to the tabernacle. Um, and so there's only one thing left to go anywhere here. And that's what goes around the courtyard. Okay, And he erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar and set up the screen of the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. So there we go. Here's the layout. Let's add the court outside. It's in kind of bronze, just goldish um, around there, but you notice it doesn't. There's an opening there on the east side still. Okay, that's because that's where the gate is. That's where you go in, um, and so there's where that is. So that's the entrance to the whole tabernacle complex, the courtyard. Uh, that's what the screen does. Um, this is a pretty tall. Um, 
fence around it, you could say, with cloth hanging from it. It's about seven and a half feet tall uh, around the whole thing. Um, it's, a, it's 50 cubits by 100 cubits, so that's roughly 150 feet um, by uh, 75 feet, 75 feet by 150 feet, basically. Not real big. Not a huge thing. So let's go back to verse 33 to point out something. It, it's what, what didn't get said was just as the Lord had commanded. Instead, in the end of verse 33, it says, So Moses finished the work. So this verse ends differently than the pattern that we see here for erecting um, the tabernacle. So all the work is done, um, but it doesn't end with just like we might have expected it to end, just as the Lord had commanded. So, so what, what's up with that? Why, why is that? Why is it that it ends differently? Well, first of all, it means that the whole thing is now complete. It is Complete. Moses has completed. It is ready for worship. The tabernacle is set up. It's ready for worship. It's been fully prepared. Secondly, it's a reference to creation. Now you might think, well, that sounds like that's a stretch to me. That it's a reference to creation. So Moses finished the work. So, so what are you talking about when you say it's a reference to creation? Well, turn with me, turn, turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 2. So if, if you're familiar with this transition between Gen- in Genesis, between chapter 1 and chapter 2, You've got the, the end of the creation account in, in Genesis chapter 1. Um, and then in Genesis chapter 2, you have another explanation of, of the creation. But from verses 1 to 4 of chapter 2 and back into verse 31 of chapter 1, you have kind of a summary here. So Genesis 2 Verse 2. Let's look at that. I'll leave this up on the screen and so you can see. Uh, this is the ESV's translation. And on the seventh day, God finished his work. The, the, the word order is a little different in Hebrew, but those parts are there. So just notice God finished his work. How it's close to. So Moses finished the work. That was God's work, right, that he wanted done. God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Um, and so you see that you see that connection, but you, it might not be convincing, right? It doesn't, it's just a few words here that look pretty close to the same. But... But there are other reasons that this points to creation. In, in a, um, last week, um, 
I, I mentioned that we would come back to a verse. So, so keep, your, keep your Bibles open to Genesis, chapter 1 and chapter 2. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to Exodus 39, uh, verse 43. And that's the verse I said we would come back to. And Moses saw all the work. And behold, they had done it. Just as the Lord had commanded, so they had done it. Then Moses blessed them. So, so go back a couple verses to Genesis one thirty-one, where it says, And God saw everything that he had made. And Moses saw all the work, so they had done it. And behold, it was very good, and there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. And then also from this verse, they had done it, then Moses blessed them. Genesis 2, 3. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done. In creation. So those are pretty nice coincidences. But there's, there's more reason to know that this is a reference to creation. Do you remember back in the instructions for the tabernacle that the Lord gave to Moses? This has been a long time ago now for us. Um, and in the first, time, first part when Moses when they start to build the tabernacle. So the instructions end with this. Do you remember what they end with? It's in Exodus 31, verses 16 and 17. I'll read it. You don't have to turn to it. But these are, this is the end of the instructions for the tabernacle. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever, it is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So the tabernacle, the completion of the tabernacle, is meant to remind us of the completion of creation. So why would that be? Well, because after creation, after, after Genesis chapter 1, what happens? God puts the, the people that he's created in the garden. And God walks among the people in the garden that we will see. As, God, you know, as we remember, when, after they sinned, God, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the windy part of the day or the breezy part of the day. God was walking with the people. So God's people, God was with his people. God's present with his people, which is what the tabernacle is for. God's presence with his people. Some would even put it this way, that, that the tabernacle is like, a, is like a copy of the garden, or the garden is like the original tabernacle. So that they are similar. 
right? When God walked among his people, and now in the tabernacle, God is going to be with his people. So now we come to the last section of Exodus, the culmination, really, of Exodus. And, and really, I don't think people think of it this way, but it's the high point of Exodus. Uh, it is... Not, the high point isn't really when the people come out of Egypt. That's a big deal, and it's not really when they cross the Red Sea. It's this. God's glory, his presence, dwelling with his people, dwelling among his people. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So this then is really the high point of of Exodus. I'm going to read the next three verses, um, which are the last three, and then we're just going to come back to, to this point. So... Verses 36 and 37, throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out until the day that it was taken up. So they waited for the Lord to move, and then they followed. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, much like on the top of it had been on Mount Sinai. And in the sight of the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So back to verse 34. God's glory, his presence, dwelling among his people. God wants to dwell with his people. But that hasn't happened since the garden because of the sin of Adam when God threw them out of Adam and Eve out of the garden and so God wants to dwell with his people he doesn't need to dwell with his people God doesn't have any needs he wants to dwell with his people he knows that we need to dwell with him, but sin. Sin of Adam, Adam's rebellion, right? The sins of Israel, Israel's rebellion, repeated rebellion. Um, The last occasion, the golden calf, just right before this right before they start to set up the tabernacle. Our sin and our rebellion, but God wants to dwell among his people. And so he makes a way. While we were in rebellion, you could say, while we were yet sinners, God makes a way to dwell among his people by being in the holy of holies, by being above the mercy seat, 
by being in a cloud that makes him unapproachable, but his glory was there. And God said he would meet with his people there. But it had to be, as we should know by now, just as he commanded. So we probably think, well, I'm glad that that's, that's changed now. Um, Jesus is a lot more flexible. After all, there is no more tabernacle, right? There's no, there's no tabernacle, right? So, but, but has it changed? Is the discussion that we're having here about the tabernacle obsolete? Um, does it have any relevance today? Well, at this point, we could spend a lot of time in the book of Hebrews. But I'm going to read you two verses from Hebrews, and then you, tell, you decide if the tabernacle is relevant today, if it matters today. And I love the way that, that the writer of Hebrews starts this verse, verse off. Um, this is chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Now, the point of what we are saying is this. Summarizing um, what he had just talked about in the priesthood in chapter 7. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places. Well, there's a reference to Exodus. In the as, the, as the New American Standard rightly translated, in the true tabernacle. That the Lord set up, not man. Now the writer of Hebrews is talking about the current state. That, that the reason we have access to the Father is that, that Christ has pass through the true tabernacle and and is at the right hand of God. So it's not obsolete, it's just been fulfilled in Christ. God wants to dwell among his people and so he makes a way. So I know that we've we've talked about this before, but but John 1 verse 14. Just just take a look at that. Uh, John 1.14, open your Bible up to John 1.14. And keep in mind that God wants to dwell among his people. John 1.14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So that's the way most of our versions read. And and as you probably know, and you've probably heard before, this this is the way you'd probably translate it. And the word became flesh and tabernacled, pitched his tent. I think NIV says tabernacled. It's the word for setting up a tent, 
among us. And we have seen his glory, just like Exodus 34. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God wants to dwell among people, his people, and so he does. He makes a way to do it through Christ. He makes the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me, except through me. So God wants to dwell with his people. And he's made a way. I am the way. So if you're here tonight and you happen to not have faith in Christ, there is a way to dwell with God. There is a way that God will dwell with you. But it's only one way. It has to be just as the Lord commanded. Through faith in Jesus Christ. And there is no other way. So, so if you have faith in Christ. Which I think would, would be most of us in this room. You probably knew that verse. You probably know. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So there is a way. But it is a way, right? It is a way. And a way means a road. It is a road. It's not a fixed point. It's not turn from your sins, believe in me, and stay put. It is, yes. Yeah, so um, in Ezra, that's the temple in, in Ezra. Um, and the, tab, the temple is the replacement for the tabernacle. It's a more permanent. Yep, so it's referred to two different ways in Scripture. I mean, we, you could go with temple or you could go with tabernacle. But tabernacle is the original, right? So, yep. So, so there is a way. Faith and repentance means turning from our sin, following Christ, and, or in, and going to Christ, and following him on that way. So, part of the way we do that is being here, right, among the church. As, as um, We're going to make a reference to temple in a minute, the replacement of the tabernacle. We are the temple of God. So, Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians. Do you not know that you, that's plural, Paul's talking to the whole church, you, the church, are God's temple, and God's spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys the temple, God will destroy him. For the temple, for God's temple is holy, and that is what you are. So the temple, we are the temple. That doesn't mean um, that this building is the temple. It doesn't mean that this building is God's dwelling place. It means that we, as believers in Jesus Christ, are the temple, the believers of Christ here. So that's where the Spirit of God dwells, within us individually and within us as a whole, because we are the temple. 
and God dwells with us. And that's what he wants to do. And so he, so he does. So God's dwelling with his people is the peak, the high point, the pinnacle of Exodus. Um, and in the future, there will again be something that comes even closer to the ideal. In fact, it will be the ideal. In the new heavens and the new earth, one day it will be completely ideal again. This is from Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. And again, this is going to be from the New American Standard, um, not from the ESV. Uh, and you would notice the difference if I um, between the two. Then I saw the new heaven, Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Then I saw, I think I'll stop at the end of verse 3. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. And he will dwell among them. And they shall be his people. And God himself will be among them. That is where this is all headed. Right? From the garden, an ideal state, back to the ideal state where God's tabernacle is among people. Later in that chapter, it says that there is no temple because the Lord is the temple. Later in, in Revelation 21. So the high point then of this is right here at the end of Exodus when the glory of the Lord dwells with his people. And so um, let's, let's close in prayer and then have our final hymn. Father, we thank you that you desire, that you want to have your dwelling among your people, and that you have made a way to do that in Jesus Christ. And as those who have faith in Christ, we look forward to the day when we are in the ideal state of your dwelling being fully and completely with your people. Lord, we thank you for the tremendous grace that you have shown to us. Lord, and we pray that we would be faithful witnesses to that grace. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.